chapter 6, as I have um, been thinking about our time together leading up to this uh, 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, I know you've heard us say some things and uh, about prayer, and I'm excited about what God's doing in my own personal life and, and even within the church as well. And I recognize that uh, 2016 is over, and I realize that in 2017 you have things that you've made commitments to or New Year's resolutions or things that uh, you would like to see different or change or, or go different in 2017. But as we move forward as, as a family, as a church, there are things that have, seems like in 2016, and I've shared some things with you, but it seems like in 2016, the Lord has used 2016 to give me really kind of three things to live for. As I think about ministry, I think about opportunity to be a pastor, I think about us as a family. What do we really want from us as a family? Where do we really want to go? What does it look like? I mean, there's a lot of people that play games in church, and they just go to church. And I'm, I'm not, I'm literally not a game player. If I'm involved in something, I'm in. I'm 100%. I just don't, you know, play cards for the fun of it. I mean, just play cards for the fun. There's just something inside of me. Somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. And we're, we're in this. I mean, we're just in it. I'm just, that's who I am as an individual. And, um. And so as a church, we have a tendency to just kind of roll along, just roll along. Well, this is kind of what we always do. This is just what it looks like. And so I've spent a lot of time this year just in my own personal time, spent a lot of time just thinking and doing some reading. And there are things in my soul that are really, really important for us as a family. The first one is prayer. And it's not a prayer that maybe you would normally think about, my heart for you is that you have an individual prayer life. That you would stop and say, Jesus, I need some help today. And I've shared a little bit of that, and I don't want to share a whole lot with that. But in saying that, I'm not sure, as you read through Scripture, that was what God's plan was for you just to pray in your home. I think there's power in prayer when we come together as a family. Daniel Henderson put it this way. You can see how popular the pastor is, the worship team is, who shows up on Sunday morning. We will see how popular Jesus is, who shows up on Saturday night. We will see if Jesus is really something that's your life, or if it's just, you know, well, you know, that's what we just do. We live in a country where it's really easy just to, just to go to church. We live in, in, in a country where it's really easy just to live your life to please yourself. Let's just make this about me. I just, I just really want to be happy today. So, so what can I do to be happy? What can I do to make me feel something or feel value or feel worth? What's this live this life just for me? But I don't read that in Scripture. As I read through the Apostle Paul's life, I know that you all love to read Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's an incredible verse. But in order for Paul to put that on a piece of paper, he had to go to prison. He had to live with plenty. He had to live in want. He had to be beaten. He had to be shipwrecked. He had to be left for dead. He had to be beat, bit by a snake. See, Paul just didn't say, well, I'm, I'm just 
this is life is really all about me, and so let's just make this fun. Let's make this enjoyable. I'll be a Christian. No, God said, listen, there's a road marked out for you, Paul, and this is what's going to happen to you because I want somebody in a New Testament church to be able to sit down and say, you know what? No matter what you face, you can go through anything with Jesus. If you allow him to be part of your life, if you stop and have this relationship, you stop and spend time in investing. Hey, Jesus, I'm here this morning. I want to hear your voice. What do you want from me? And as you think about prayer, and as I think about it, you all can quote the Lord's Prayer. But I want you to look at it maybe with a little bit different pair of glasses this morning. I want you to think about that your father is saying something to you this morning that he wants to hear your voice privately. I think that's important. I think it also needs to be important that we show up on January the 7th. That we start asking God to do things that we can't do. That we're saying to you, Father, we will trust you, no matter what it looks like. If you're anything like me, I don't mind trusting God if it looks okay for me. I don't mind trusting God. God, I'll have no problem following you if you just show me what you want me to do here in this process. And then, you know, this kind of, he doesn't work that way, does he? And what I've learned, and I am learning, the road is marked out for you. The question will be, will you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? The road's already marked out for you. Cancer, heart attack, high blood pressure, low blood pressure. It's already marked out for you. And that road is marked out purposefully so that it will be difficult enough for you to stop and say, Jesus, I'm going to turn and look at you today. I can't do this. How many of us heard that when you first trusted Christ? How many of us heard it? You know what? Just put your faith in Jesus. Life will be good. Life is good because he is good. Life is good because he's my father. Life doesn't make sense. Life isn't fair. Life's exciting. Life's amazing. I just love to step back and watch what he's going to do. Where are we going to go today? Who are we going to see? Who are we going to meet? What's it going to look like? I have no idea. But I know the one who's in charge. And there's a temptation. There's a temptation for you to follow false gods. There's a temptation for you to be distracted. There's a temptation for you to be discouraged. There's a temptation. There's always a temptation to take your eyes off of the cross. Well, it's 2017. What am I going to do in 2017? What are my goals, my dreams, my ambitions? What does it look like for me in 2017? I don't want to ask that question. I want to say, Jesus, what do you want from me in 2017? I was reading the other day. You know what life is? Life is a bunch of little choices. It's not this one morning you wake up and make this grand decision and your life is this, oh yeah, I made this great decision today. It's, it's a bunch of little choices. I want to be with Jesus in my little choices. I want to watch him move and shape things in my little choices. Oh, I know you're looking for the big things. You're looking for your significance. But you know 
I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but probably 100 years from now, people won't remember you. They won't. Don't want me reading books about how successful you were. But for eternity, you'll be able to look Jesus face to face. And will we start now in 2017 and say, you know what, Father? What do you want from me? And not be one of those kids just to hear his voice and say, yeah, Dad, I hear you. Because that's another temptation. Yeah, I love Jesus. I love to hear his voice. Will you surrender to his voice? Will you follow him? Will you develop a relationship with him? Will will you say yes to him when he asks you to do things that hurt? So this morning you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus, it's a a great, I mean, you can go through and see a lot of different things. Chapter 5, you got Beatitudes, Law, Adultery. Chapter 6, you pick it up in relation to giving. And he's going to tell, he's just, he's just teaching. Here's some information. Be careful in verse 1. Not to do or act, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have, all, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So be careful with your giving as he starts out in chapter 6. Don't do it so people see you. Don't do it for man's recognition. Don't do it for the attaboy. It's teaching. It's opportunity for you to know information. Then you have to ask yourself, how often do I do things for people to watch me? How often do I do something for a human to say, yeah, that's a really good person. Look what they did. How often do I give for my own recognition? As Jesus will teach you, it's not about you. Hey, if you want to get man's recognition, Enjoy it now because that's all you're going to get. Because your Father in heaven, he's not excited about what man thinks. He's excited about your heart. And then he says some things to him about prayer. Look in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. All right? What's a hypocrite? A person who pretends to have virtue, morals, or religious beliefs or principles. That's a hypocrite. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be the one that looks like you've got this relationship with Jesus. Don't be like the one that says, oh, yeah, look at me. Here I am. Don't be like the hypocrites. Well, what do they do? For they love to stand, pray standing in the synagogue, synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So there's a temptation here. As, as Jesus gives you some information, will you be like a hypocrite when it comes to your prayer? Will you stand there and say, hey, hey, look at me. Will you show up in church and, and wax eloquent for 15 minutes? Nobody has any idea. 
idea what words you just used, but boy, you look good. You look like you had a relationship with him, but you're a hypocrite in your heart. You think about the word room, but when you pray, go to your room. Think, what is the, what is your, what is, do you have your King James Version? What does it say? You have ESV. Okay, what does your King James say? It is verse 6, 6, 6. But when you pray, go to the closet. New King James, secret place. Okay, I want you to think about this room a little bit differently. I think when you read these words from Jesus, I don't think, I'm not saying he's, um, not saying you shouldn't pray at home, but I don't think you should think about the room in your home. I think you need to think about the room at the building place, meeting place. I want you to think about this. When you built your house, How many people now just show up at your house and knock on your door and say, let's, let's have a cup of coffee? Does that happen very often in your home? You know what's happened? It's almost like our society just went ahead and let's just isolate Christians. Let's just stick them in their home. And let's just let them pray in their home. And I don't think that's what God wants from us. I think God wants us to be sitting shoulder to shoulder doing life together. Let's just be real. Every single one of you sitting in here have issues. Well, if you just pray at home, then nobody knows your issues. Well, you come to church and look nice, but you're all battling something. So why not gather together as a family? Let's battle together. Why don't we get next to each other in a group? And I'm not advocating that we air all of our dirty laundry. I mean, gossip is runs rampant in the church. I understand all that, okay? That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying, and if you come on on January uh, the 7th, we're not going to air dirty laundry. We're just going to beg God to do something different in our lives. We're going to seek God's face and say, God, here, it's us, and we need you today. And we're going to ask you for help. But if you want to remain in isolation, you can, and that will be your choice. But why do life on your own? Why not gather with people that care about you? Why not gather in groups and ask God to rescue marriages? Help your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Now I want you to get, I've said all that, but I want to give you four words. And I want to use the Lord's Prayer with these four words. And this is the information that I've learned, and I spent time with Daniel Henderson, and it's really impacted my own personal life. And it's really basically how we run the source on on January the 7th, what we're going to do. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. My first word is reverence. I don't think most of us have actually really sat down and thought about those words. Oh, we can quote it. But tomorrow morning when you wake up, will there be any reverence in your voice towards your Father? Will you stop and say, hey, Dad, it's me? We, and, and reverence is really saying, you know what? I'm going to make this a priority. I'm not going to give God my leftovers. I'm going to carve out time. God, it's my time with you. How many of you have had successful marriages when you gave your spouse the leftovers? None of you. 
then why give God the leftovers? Why not come into his, his presence and say, God, what do you have for me today? Instead of coming into his presence and say, hey, God, let's get this figured out this morning. I got things to do. I got places to go. I got people to meet, God. So just give me one, two, three, and let's go. There's no reverence there. There's pride there. We come to God and say, hey, I mean, I, this never worked in my family. I never walked up to my father and said, Bob Patterson, this is what I'm going to do. I never walk up to the elder board at Bible Fellowship Church and say, by the way, this is what I'm doing to do today. It's not how it works. You don't do it with your boss. Most of us with wisdom, we don't even do it with our spouses. We know better. We know the consequences. We know the looks we get. We know that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 doesn't say, tell your spouse what to do because that's what love is. No. Maybe you're not a morning person. doesn't have to be in the morning. But sometime on January 2nd, will you stop and say, I'm coming to your throne in reverence. I'm coming to your throne with just two ears. Nothing to say, no agenda before you. Don't even start with your request. Don't start with your burdens. Don't start with the things that you want him to fix. Don't start with the things that you're mad at him. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. Start with reverence. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then look at verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have a word there called response. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what really that is? Surrender. Saying, Father, this life is not about me. Father, this is not about me coming to you and say, okay, would you go ahead and fix this situation right now? God, I don't like how you, this road that you've marked down in front of me. God, I don't like this. No. Jesus is saying, come to your Father and surrender. Not my will, but yours be done. Imagine him being in the garden. Before they were going to crucify him, he had the opportunity to veto the plan. He could have said, you know what, Father? I don't like this plan. I don't want my beard to be ripped out. I don't want to be spit on. I don't want to be laughed at. I really don't want to die. What did he say to his dad? In the garden. Not my will, but yours. I surrender. I know we're going to be separated. I know you're going to put all the sin of the world on my shoulders. I got it. But I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to give in. I'm willing to step back and say, you know what? Life isn't about me today, Father. And that's when he was sweating the drops of blood. Because he knew your name. 
He knew your sin. And he knew the only way that you could meet his father was to die. So don't wake up tomorrow morning and make this life all about you. Don't wake up tomorrow morning and say, well, you know what? This is what I'm doing today. Oh, by the way, hi. Hi, God. Nice to meet you. Good to have you there. Thanks. Oh, by the way, thank you for your salvation. I really appreciate it. Thank you for not letting me go into hell. It's a wonderful blessing, but you can just move out of the way now because I've got my plans for life. That's what a lot of us do. Surrender. Will you come to him tomorrow morning in reverence? Will you come to him tomorrow morning with the response? Will you come to him tomorrow morning with your request? Look here. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Give us today our daily bread. Your request. Father, would you help me today with a school bill or the car to be fixed or children and their guidance or a family member that is sick? Or God, would you help me today in the marriages? Or God, would you help me with the neighbors? Or God, would you just, these are my requests today. God, I, I just, I need you today. And I say this often, maybe I say it too often, but none of you like to ask for help. Start asking for help. After you sat down in reverence, after you sat down and said, hey, I, I'm willing to surrender. My response to you is, hey, it's, it's about you, it's not about me. Then ask him, Dad. I just need some help over here. And isn't it interesting when you stop and say, help me, then there's usually something that pops into your mind that you haven't thought about. See, most of us don't like egotistical people. Most of us don't like spoiled brats. Most of us don't like those people that always get what they want, and they got to tell you about it. We don't like those people. Most of us, if we were younger, we would just paddle them and say, grow up. Stop being a brat. But are we the brat? Are we the ones that say, oh, yeah, I love you, but uh, (laughs) I'm not asking you for help. I got this under control. I got this all figured out. I know exactly what to do. It's pretty hard when you come to a father and your heart is in reverence and your response to him. It's pretty hard to ask for help. But I I just want to encourage you to do it. You know what's fascinating? Most of us have never thought through this prayer from this perspective. We've never stopped and evaluated what was Jesus was, was really trying to get across to us. Oh, we could quote it, but are we making it part of who we are? Have you, will you fall at his feet tomorrow morning? Or will you walk into the presence of God with your pride on the table and say, hey, it's, it's me today. Let's make this all about me again. Here's something that's interesting. Forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. When was the last time you asked him for forgiveness of your sin? When was the last time you said, your heavenly Father, Father, I agree with you. I'm acting unbiblical today. I'm being selfish today. I'm being mean today. I'm being arrogant today. When was the last time we said that? Oh, I know you're, you know, you want, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Does that really work? I have great memories of my kids fighting in the back seat. And I have great memories of, usually it was Seth was the instigator. And so I would say to Seth, you need to apologize to Rachel. And then Seth would say, I'm sorry. And Rachel would say, he didn't mean it. That's not why you do it, Dad. He didn't mean it. He just did that because you told him to. Okay, Rachel, how would you like him to say it? And what proper tone of voice and what do you want from him to actually agree that you that it's beyond your standard of forgiveness, that he's truly repentant. When, how do you want this to look today? But how many of us go to our dad and say, the one who died on the cross, the one they put the thorn on his brow, the one that they punched him in the face and said, oh, you say you're the son of God. <laughs> you're going to die, buddy. And all along, our father could have said, no, no, no. We ain't doing this anymore. And I realize, I, I get it. We live in a society that it's everybody else's fault. We live in a society that everybody makes mistakes. Oh, I made a mistake. No, you didn't. You sinned. Because if you make a mistake... As Andy Stanley would say, you wouldn't need a Savior. But a sinner needs a Savior. So call yourself a sinner. Say to your father, Father, I am wrong. And I'm sorry. And Father, I'm coming to you to agree with you that what I've done is biblically in correct. And don't blame your spouse. And don't blame your neighbor. And don't blame your parents. And don't blame that you didn't have a nap. Just fall on your face and ask your dad for forgiveness. And then look what happens. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The last word is readiness. See, there's a battle raging. And you can't fight this battle on your own. It's a principalities and powers battle. It's a battle you can't see. The enemy you can't see. Oh, you can identify certain things. But when was the last time you watched Satan walk by you? When was the last time you saw a demon come by and say, oh yeah, that's, 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 a, that's of the devil. No, that, that guy got it. No. I'm not going over there. See, there's a battle raging. And until you stop and say, Father, fight for me, you're not going to win. Because if you're not asking for help, guess what? Then you're saying, you know what, Dad? I got this. I can whip the worm that I can't even see. I can take him down. 
I can beat this battle of the principalities and powers. No problem, Dad. I got this. You know what's fascinating and I love about the Old Testament? Is where God walks in. Our God walks in as the warrior. One of my favorite ones is in Exodus chapter 15. Where the nation of Israel is celebrating this warrior God. That we're standing on this water's edge and the Egyptians are closing in. And what does our warrior God do? He just tosses the horse and the rider into the sea. He just wipes them out. You know what's exciting about that is? The, the Israelites didn't get the credit. You know, I know that what you and I want, we want the credit, don't we? We want to say, look what I did. Look where I went. Look what I'm doing. It's natural. Why? Because you're a sinner. You know what naturally comes out of a sinner? Pride. And what doesn't naturally come out of a sinner? Saying, Father, fight for me. I'm going into battle. And I need some help today. And I say those words to you, reverence and response and request and readiness. Why do I tell you? Because if we don't make our prayer life pattern after the way Jesus has taught us, then we miss the boat. We're not being obedient to our Father. And the temptation tomorrow morning is as soon as you wake up is to start off on all the things that you need. Jesus didn't teach us that. He didn't say, our Father in heaven, now take care of all of our needs and this is what I want from you. He left all of our needs and all of our struggles and all of our stuff to the end. As I was um, reading this morning, um, I want you to take your Bible and go to Psalm 115. I woke up this morning and Susan and I and Rachel are all doing the same devotional thing right now. And this is what I read. Here's the bottom line. The Christian life, the church, our faith are not about us. They're about him, his plans, his kingdom, his glory. Let's start the new year by admitting that there's nothing that there's nothing less natural for us than to live for the glory of another. This admission is to the doorway not to despair, but to hope. God knew that in your sin, you would never live this way. So he sent his son to live the life you couldn't, to die on your behalf, to rise again, conquering sin and death. He did this so that you not only would be forgiven of your allegiances to your own glory, but have every grace you need to live this life. When you admitted your need for help, 
you connect yourself to the rescue he has already provided in his son Jesus. Reach out for hope by reaching out for the rescue again today. Psalm 115, not for us, O Lord, not for us, but to your name be glory because of your love and your faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does what, whatever pleases him, but their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. If you go in my office, I have a big calendar on the wall. Start out beginning, you know, every year it's got, you know, start out January and I put across the very top of January. Father, would you take down the idols? Tear down the idols. And what idols? They're just made of human hands. They will not offer you any hope. And we're living in a world full of idols. We're living in a generation that the majority of the generation is living for an idol, living for a man-made thing. Look, look how he describes this. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but they cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound from their throat. Those who make them will be like them. And so we will trust in them. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord. Small and great alike. Make may the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to man. It's not for the dead who praise the Lord; those go in silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. And I want to read you one last thing. Take your Bible and go all the way to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning... Is your name next? Well, let's be serious here. Is your name next? And how do you think you can do anything in this life in your own strength? Because you weren't there in the beginning. In the beginning, God. That's where it all begins. That's where it all will end. So please don't start out 2017 thinking, you know what, I got this. Please do not start out 2017 say, hey, let's go, God. It's all about us, and we're, look what I'm going to accomplish this year. No, no. Start out 2017 in the beginning. God, I'm yours. God, I will come to you. I will seek your face in reverence. 
And God, my response to you and to your word will not be no thank you. My response to your word will be, yes, sir. Help me, please. Without you, I am nothing. Oh, I know you're talented. I know you look good. But you can't even keep your hair from going black to gray without some chemical. can't. You're not telling your heart to beat right now. He is. And he will. As long as he sees fit. Will you surrender to him? After you come to him in reverence and your response to him, take him your requests. He loves to hear you say, Help me with blank. Help me with blank. And when you're done, however you end it, step back and say, All right, Dad, put the whooping on. Fight, Dad. And I'll follow you. Dad, throw the horse and rider into the sea. Dad, throw the idols down. Because, Dad, I'm here to seek you and you alone. Let's pray. Father, I have no idea what 2017 looks like. I want to thank you for 2016. I want to thank you for remolding some priorities in my life. Father, just don't do it in my life. Do it in all of our lives. Father, make us a family that is hungry for you. Make us a family that will seek your face. Make us a family that when we hear your voice that will surrender. Make us a family that when we come to you with our request, we'll be saying to you, not my will. Do it my way. And we say, God, here's my, my burden. And God, as you fight for us in 2017, may we fall on our face in all of you. May Jesus be a priority of our family, not just in word or song, but in action in our homes. I know you have an opportunity to make a decision. Walk out of this room and say, well, I really didn't like what he had to say today. But I pray that you'll spend some time thinking your way through the truth of Matthew chapter 6. Spend some time with your Father. Spend some time with the words that Jesus said and not just know them by memory, but make them part of your life. Father, thank you for allowing us to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, burn it deep into our lives so it moves into action. In your name I pray, amen.